Hello, gorgeous people, and welcome to another TV Central one-on-one podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. This is episode 34, 2023. The three-part investigative series Revelation has been acquired by Netflix. Make no mistake, this is extraordinarily difficult and devastating to watch. The program uncovers the secret lives and motivations of the most sickening sexual criminal behaviour of Catholic priests and the system that protected perpetrators of heinous crimes against innocent and vulnerable children. With such an uncomfortable but important theme, the program's credibility is added by its journalist and presenter, Sarah Ferguson. She is not afraid to delve into parts of society that would rather revel in the silence that allows for their evil to prosper. International drug smuggling, sexual harassment, child poverty, homelessness, and sexual abuse. She is an award-winning and acclaimed investigative journalist and documentary maker. Her desire to uncover injustice and give a voice to people that have been silenced is both courageous and inspiring. It really is an honour to welcome Sarah Ferguson to TV Central. Thank you for joining me, Sarah. Uh, It's absolutely my pleasure, but I just want to make a small note that um, you're right that this is this is intense material, but there's something, I mean, this is up to you to decide whether you agree with me, but um, my experience for viewers has been that the characters are so compelling that it, it it's not, it's not painful to watch. It's intense to watch, but I hope that it's also rewarding. I just don't want people to think that it's um, a, an impossible task. <laughs> no, for sure. Look, you have tackled some very um, personal and often less talked about issues within our society, and you do it with integrity and conviction. But I want to ask you how making this series may have been or may have had a a personal impact on you. Um, You would have read and been privy to much more than we see within the documentary. How do you process it all so it doesn't take over you, I guess? That's a a great question. I think this, this series probably did take me over in a way that nothing else previously had. And some of that has to do with spending a long time on it. So in in, in the past series, I've, I haven't spent as long on a single subject. Um, I think the most intense part of it is very often when people are reporting about the Catholic Church and their crimes, they tend to have um, spent time with survivors of abuse and that's very intense in its own way. And it's a, it's a long journey that you have to go on w- with people um, before kind of during filming and afterwards to ensure that it's, it's a good experience for them. And I'm very happy to say that it, it usually is. Um, it, it, there's a wonderful thing about people getting their own lives back and television can actually help people do that to mm-hmm. take wrench the story back from people who took their story away when they were very young um, and, kind of turned it into something very difficult for people to manage so they get it back and that that can be a source of pride and and um it's sort of taking action in your own life that can be very rewarding that the difference with this series Aaron is that we were talking to the perpetrators as well as the victim survivors Mm. so um it's it's one thing and it's a very hard thing and it's a um, deeply rewarding thing to spend time with a victim but it's very unusual that you then spend time with the person who has actually committed those crimes. So you hear someone recalling with great um, vividness something that happened to them in their childhood. Uh, you know, we have these extremely intense memories of childhood and especially um, in these circumstances. 
So you get this great vivid recollection. So it's almost as if it's contemporaneous. And mm. then you meet the person who did it and the system that protected that person. So it's a it's a very, very powerful combination to to try and work to work with. And because you have to do everything you can, you take all your energy and all your skill, whatever you have, to make it as good as you can. You have to kind of hold the you have to hold the the impact and the and the pain of being part of that story. Obviously, nothing like that for those who are actually the victims. But notwithstanding, you are part of it. You have to hold it back so that you can focus all your energies on the quality of the interviews, the quality of the investigation, the quality of the editing, the composer all of the post-production process that you go through, which is wonderfully elaborate. And when it finishes, that's when it all comes back. That's when it all like a giant wave crashing on top of you. And I reckon it took me, it took me easily took me a year to get over it. Wow. Um, the, the program, as you mentioned, gives, gives voice to, well, especially to convicted Catholic uh, church pedophiles, Vincent Ryan and Bernard McGrath. There might be some that find it, perhaps offensive that these two are given a voice. Why was it in, an important element to hear directly from the actual pedophiles? Because what we really want to understand is not, not so much what was in their head, because that's usually sort of twisted and self-serving, but to understand how the system had protected them, because that is the thing that drives us all crazy and has done ever since we started to grapple with this story, that there was a whole system supposedly a system based on moral principles, a whole system of the church that knew and protected people like Ryan and McGrath. And so they understand where they fit into that, fitted into that system better than anybody. And they understand the protection that it gave them. Um, and, you know, there's some very uncomfortable questions in there because it's not just the system. It's also the bystanders, the people who were kind of knew that there was something wrong. Some didn't, but, you know, there's parents, there's um, housekeepers, there's all the kind of cast of characters that were around them at the time. So understanding how that system worked together to protect them, they're the only ones that really understand that, that really know how it worked. And so that's why I wanted them to talk about it. And in a couple of cases, they did bring forward names of people who were key players in the system that... Um, you know, each time shocked me, but they were import very important discoveries in terms of piecing together what is effectively a criminal conspiracy. I want to expand on something that you just mentioned. I mean, the documentary is harrowing in itself in the theme of child sexual abuse. Um, I guess we can almost accept that in society monsters exist, but the cover-up of the church, the moving of a priest from one parish to another to continue the abuse, and the continual protection of these monsters is something I find impossible to reconcile with. How, how did you grapple with that aspect of the story? It's almost the worst example that I can think of, of the way institutional power works, that once you become part of a system, some people will choose to do anything to protect that institution, whatever it is. And it gets so much more complicated because the church was not only an extremely powerful institution, but it was one that was wrapped into people's daily lives. So people's idea of um, present happiness, um, security of life after death, um, endorsement of the quality of their lives, 
it was so tightly woven into people's lives that it's worse than an institution that is in some ways remote. Now, you know, we don't like to deal, we don't like to hear that institutions commit crimes. You know, let, let me think of some examples, you know, a chemical company or a um, a, um, a company making drugs that uh, hides data about the impacts. These are all things that impact people's lives. And it's a terrible thing to learn that an institution has produced a cover-up um, but when you think about that institution being in your life every day, having a, a moral position over you, there's something even more insidious about using people using their 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 capacity in many ways to shore up that institution, to protect it at the cost of children. Because in all those other cases, we're talking about widespread impacts of of institutions that do wrong. But in this case, it was always, you know, there were some, there, there were examples of adults being targeted, but largely what we're talking about is targeting very young children. So mm. if you wrote the script of this now without anything that you knew, it it's why it took so long for people to believe it, because it is unbelievable. And and I'm I'm sure you'll come to it, but the the other the other part of involving those um, guys in the story, the, the perpetrators in the story, is because we were very focused on their criminal trials. And it's the criminal trials that pull apart not just their individual guilt, but the role of the institution. So through that was our way in, was to go through the criminal justice system and see how the criminal justice system dealt with them finally. From everything you uncovered, read, interviewed and investigated, have you made a conclusion um, as to whether these pedophiles actually knew what they were doing was wrong or whether they had a really twisted understanding of what consent and love was? No, I think they knew it was wrong. They learnt words to try and make it palatable for themselves because I think I'm I'm convinced that they were certain in the wrongness because they all they all notwithstanding that sometimes they're taking credible risks but humans do but they all went to certain lengths to cover up what they were doing to act in secretive ways um to not to name it even when they were caught by their superiors so this there are so many forms of dishonesty and cover-up within it on a personal level that that tells you that they knew this wasn't just something that society abhorred, but that yeah. they knew was was wrong. I don't have any doubt about that whatsoever. Uh, I, I'm not saying they didn't uh, make up or confect ideas about what they were doing, but I don't think for a moment that they really believed that what they were doing was anything other than abominable. Did you find a connection between becoming a priest and being a, a child sexual abuser? I mean, obviously, being a priest affords you authority, allows you to access children. Um, is it an area of society of trust by adults? But it seems to me quite stunning that someone would have thoughts of abusing children and then go through the whole process of, of becoming a priest just so they could have access to children. I mean, is, is it that simple or is there some kind of predisposition that, that someone that goes into the priesthood is more likely to offend? They're complicated questions, but I think, um, um, and I don't want to um, assert kind of expertise that I don't have, because it does remain, it does remain complex yeah. on, on a human level. I, I think 
more often what we saw were people were young men going into the priesthood finding a situation where it was tolerated where the system allowed for it and then developing i think from from small crimes to big crimes there may have been there may have been predators who chose that profession for that reason um in mo- more of the cases that we saw i think they they found themselves in an institution that enabled it in so many ways and then you have this issue of what happens to a priest in the moment of ordination this kind of um i think absurd idea that you you your being changes that you turn into something else um it's got a it's got a kind of fancy name ontological change but actually um the whole of the uh, ceremony around um priests being confirmed in that position encouraged them to think that they had become separate from the rest of us other um uh, better and protected mm. by um extraordinary forces and and with access to knowledge and power that was that is beyond the rest of us and i think that also that that definitely feeds into impunity you spoke to a, a priest that said all the correct things in terms of uh, sexual abuse of children, that they are victims, the crimes are abhorrent, um, there's no place for it in the church. I, I 100% believed him. But he also spoke about uh, the seal of confession and the absolute sanctity in that. And I also 100% believed him on that. However, you, you pressed him on what happens when these two ideals collide and there has to be a decision made on you know in do we respect the the seal or respect the victim he did say that the seal of confession wins out the thing is the seal of confession was never created to protect criminals there are positives within the seal but you have a situation of of sexual abuse obviously did you see any point of view about the seal con the seal confession holistically um when it doesn't relate to children um because i mean i obviously 100 percent agree with not reporting sexual abuse, um, you know, it should it should be reported. But I do understand the dilemma of, of the seal. Are we comfortable with a seal of confession when it relates to to murderers or drug importation, domestic violence, terrorist activity? It's just my understanding is that the church has this all-in approach to the seal and peeling layers back, even sexual abuse stops that very point of, of its existence. I don't know if I if I got a question out of that, but did, no, did... I know. I think it's a. I think it's interesting. So let me just put you in. Let's go into the, the scene I'm in. So we're talking to a, um, the Bishop of Newcastle, and he appears to be a gentle, thoughtful man, and he's he's sitting as the bishop in this part of, uh, on the east east coast of Australia, which has one of the highest concentrations of, abuse victims and perpetrators in the entire country so it's a real a, a real horror epicenter um for the crime and after everything he knows he has still arrived at the point where he thinks the seal of confession should um, should protect protect a perpetrator and we're actually doing the interview sitting in the pews of the church and i, I was staggered that after everything that we knew after everything that we'd heard, all of the desperate, long-term, almost indescribable impacts on people growing up with this as part of their childhood, 
and the damage that radiates from the individual, the the sort of stealing of your innocence, you're being thrust into an adult world when you don't have the means to understand it, all of the many, many cruelties that that, that um, includes. To have this softly spoken man sitting in a church say it's still the right thing to do to protect that person um, actually just rocked me. I knew a lot by then, but I was unprepared for someone to still not be able to arrive at the point where that is a crime so heinous that no system in the world can be created to enable it to be protected in any way. So for the rest of it, for the for the other perpetrators of crimes, I'm not I'm not so I'm not so sure about I, I understand why and did understand speaking to him that that there, there is a purpose to the right of confession, but um the idea that they think it should still extend to perpetrators. And in this case, when Vincent Ryan uh, went to confession, he was given a few uh, prayers to say, and that was it. And he was allowed mm. to remain in his position. He went back into the church. He offended again. He abused children again. He abused children in group situations, everything that you can imagine. And, and some of those crimes were actually in the court case that we were following. So he confessed and carried on. And that's, I think, um, tells you all that's wrong, that when, when those when the church is supposed to protect, when adults are supposed to protect children in any circumstance, there is there can be no system in the world where that protection of the innocence is suspended. Sarah, I understand your role in something like this. Um, despite the subject matter that it needs to be, you know, you need to be professional. When you are interviewing yep. a priest um, in reference to a 13-year-old that took his own life because of the systemic and evil abuse he endured, and the person says to you, as a representative of the church, look, look, my personal view, I don't think it was suicide, but rather a prank gone wrong, is what we are seeing on your face, which is calm and professional, different to what's going on in your head and mind, because that's just abhorrent, that kind of response. Yes, it was. And again, um, worth pointing out to your listeners that that was an interview that also took place in a church. So, and and to think that this is after you know the the obviously the first abuse stories broke a long time ago we've been in this story for a long time in australia and there we are we're sitting with um quite a senior australian priest and he senior in his diocese at least in a church and he makes he makes that comment i think you know it's a very very interesting question if i made that so much of this series was about investigating the system and making sure that people understood how the system worked and and indeed how the justice system was finally catching up with them with these criminals um i wonder whether i would be so restrained now uh, i was i was so disciplined in the making of that series partly because of what we were talking about before because it is so demanding that you you have to have some barriers to prevent it from overwhelming you when you're doing it and I wonder if that restraint, I wonder if it's even human looking back on it, you know? <laughs> so that's a it's a terrific question. And I think I think it's possible that I would do it differently now, that I would allow myself to relax into the reality. It's just you do need a lot of protection because 
um it's so it's so intense um and so extreme and it leaves it really does carve deep lines in your soul you know it's funny i was just this morning i was supposed to write a book about it straight after it happened and i said i can't do it i can't live in this world anymore i need a break um and i was just thinking today that maybe i would be arriving at a point where i could revisit that world um so maybe that's the place for the responses that i couldn't display at the time it's mm. a great question it feels like some of your reporting was about a different time and then moves to more current events um like with george pell i felt like after watching this doco we are so far more advanced in terms of understanding talking about knowing about and speaking about sexual abuse but for me, it felt like the Catholic Church hadn't really advanced at all. It felt like there was a real difference in society, um, you know, with what you were reporting from 1950 to 2023, but the church went from 1950 to 1951. Would, <laughs> would you say that's a fair assessment? I think that's right. I mean, there are some, there are some, obviously, some forces for good. And interestingly, many of them are women, you know, in the, as the, attempt always to bring women into positions of power in the in the catholic church that battle continues the fact that this was a male dominated world and remains so is no small thing it's a massive part of the problem um so while there are some brave women trying to particularly women some men but particularly women trying to change the church's attitude and you know i went to rome and i met i met some priests who were jesuits in particular who were trying to bring the church sort of to 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 the position of now um and all power to them but the overwhelming the overwhelming experience in dealing with the church was that they still would protect the church at the expense of the truth not what are you not much advanced. What do you hope is achieved from Revelation? Um, if it's watched by perpetrators, by victims, by the church, by politicians, by mums and dads, what would you hope it brings? So, well, there's one very simple answer, first of all, which is um, television documentary has a long history of, of through the great arts of television and editing and direction and music has the ability to get people to understand things in their lives and i hope it does that because this has been a huge so there's two things it's been a huge australian story a huge part of our of contemporary australia understanding how this institution from the outside partly you know very significantly from ireland came to australia and then was guilty of perpetrating these incredible crimes and this extraordinary cover-up so understanding australia's contemporary history that's what it is um, that's very important. But it's also these crimes took place in amongst us. These were not remote crimes that happened in strange circumstances, far away in places and, and in circumstances that, that aren't relevant to us. These crimes took place in our towns, in our villages, in our homes. These, mm. are, these are our crimes. And the church, meanwhile, tried to... Um, exert power over the Australian community on the basis of holding a moral position when it was in the middle of um, performing and protecting one of the worst crimes in, in mankind's history. Um, and I think knowing and understanding that is, is intense and fascinating and 
it's, I think, really fantastic at the end of it to see that the criminal justice system is doing its work, that finally, with a clock ticking so fast and loudly yeah. as these men age, that the criminal justice system can bring them to court, can put them to evidence, um, can make them confront their crimes in ways that they've never had to. So I think capturing that, you know, we 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 as a as a kind of species, we love to see justice done. And these are people; these were young people to whom terrible injustices were done to them and their families. And finally, justice is catching up with them. And I think seeing that is just fascinating and and makes us understand better the world that we live in. Final question. Um, there are fields out there that we say that have special kinds of people working in them, such as aged care. There has yeah. to be something deeper and special about an investigative journalist like yourself that desperately seeks out injustice and are prepared to immerse themselves into stories of sexual abuse, people smuggling, domestic violence, cruelty to animals. Where, where does that come from for you? Because um, I have a feeling you don't do it for the awards. No, no. Um, awards are nice when you're starting out. They, they're good, good way to kind of fling you upwards. So they, they have their place. But then there's a point where you really have to stop, stop talking about them. Stop. I stop going. Um, they're good if they help the project. They're good. So what, what is it about? What's the thing that drives me crazy? It's abuse of power. It's, it's people with power um, taking advantage of people without power in in a multitude of situations, including animals as as well. I'd put in that picture. So it's just always been my 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 drive my engine is it makes me mad and i want to do something about it and luckily i've got these tools available to me that are also require kind of creative thinking so my creative impulses are also brought to bear so it's the driver that's it i can't stand it i want to do something about it and i want to do it in a way that makes people watch and keep watching there are institutions out there that are set up for, for goodness to help and assist those that, that are vulnerable, mm. institutions such as the church, governments, and even the media. However, sometimes evil does permeate within these walls, and because of their size and power, victims are left in silence. Um, your work across your career thus far is nothing short of being a light in the darkness uh, for the silent, um, for the most vulnerable, and those that have no voice. And I hope there is many more years ahead. Sarah Ferguson, thank you for chatting with me today. That was one of the best conversations about this series I've ever had. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That was Sarah Ferguson, investigative journalist for Revelations, streaming now on Netflix. Of course, Sarah can be seen as the host of 7.30 on the ABC. I don't want to mince words. If you've not seen Revelation, it is confronting and, and reporting and seeing abusers. Um, and then also victims that 10, 20, 30, 40 years later are still clearly shaken is devastating. However, part of the reason this was able to run so rife is because the issue is so taboo and egregious, we buried our heads in the sand. It's harrowing, but it's also an important watch. You will need time to reflect. But for those that are survivors of abuse, I would also add that this program can be triggering. Um, it can also be a light of hope. If this interview has caused any concern or trigger for you, there is Lifeline 13 11 14. That's it for this podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. Thank you to Sarah Ferguson. Bye for now.